Pilchrist, and I'm going to share with you on who needs Christmas, uh, second part. Chris did a fantastic job last year of, last year, <laughs> we're already moving on, aren't we? <laughs> last week of uh, giving us a fantastic background on why the world needs Christmas. When I was a, a child, or a young person, we lived out in the country, and we liked to, when wandering around in the different places, we'd come across anthills. And you know what you do when you come across an anthill? You kick it, right? And the ants just come running out left and right. Oh, just hundreds of ants there trying to repair the damage done by some kid who kicked the anthill. But then I remember hearing a story of a fellow who was actually just on a, a walk and he tripped over an anthill. I guess he hadn't done that as a child and he was very astounded as he looked and he saw all of the ants come out running around and, and he sat and he watched them for a little bit and, and then he began to think, how could I ever tell those ants that I really didn't mean to do that? I didn't really mean to just destroy their home. And he began to realize the only way to do that would be to become an ant and go down and be part of that community and share with them how sorry he was for what had happened. Well, our lesson this morning is about who needs Christmas. God needed Christmas to come down to this world to share with all of the people on this world how much he loves us and how much he cares for us. Because this world was in bad shape and has been in bad shape. So let's go back to the beginning. I love the groundwork that Chris laid for me, but I'm going to go back and we're going to go over and look at it with just a different focus. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back uh, to primitive man. <laughs> primitive man. Uh, when I say primitive man, what do you think about? Oh, you think about caveman, yeah. He's bent over, he's grunting, and he, he, he can't even talk, and he, and, and he has long hair and a kind of, some kind of uh, skin over him, and, he, and, and he's dragging a woman by her hair with a big, with a big club in his eye. Early man. Well, that's what the evolutions tell us, evolutionists tell us, right? You know, we started out down here, and we were just scum in the pond. And over millions of years, we progressed, and we evolved, and then we became man, primitive man. And then we came all the way up to where we are today, developed man. <laughs> you know what? My Bible tells me something exactly the opposite. My Bible tells me that God created man up here. He created Adam and Eve in his image. And what did they look like? Hey, ladies, Adam was the best looking guy you ever saw. Muscles on his muscles, you know. He could probably run for kilometers without even puffing. And uh, he, he was not only physically that way, God, I believe God created his brain 100%. They tell us we use 5 or 6, 8% of it. Just think if you could use 100% of your brain and just think if you could remember everything. Wow. 
Adam named all of the animals and just go, mm, dog, mm, cat, no, no. <laughs> he named all of the animals and he probably knew everything about those animals because his brain was 100%. And then there was Eve. Oh, most gorgeous woman you ever saw. And she was probably a blonde. I, I don't know, maybe. I lived in the house with three blondes. I used to know all the blonde jokes, but they, they, they wiped that out of me. <laughs> I still like the one about how do you know if a blonde's been using your computer because there's whiteout on the screen, right? I still like that, uh, but <clears throat> that's from the past. But she wasn't a dumb blonde. She also had 100%. She was something else. And just think... From there, look at where we're at now. Here's this short, fat guy, balding, losing his hair, has to wear glasses, hearing aids, false teeth, has to carry a computer in his pocket to remind him of everything that's going on because he can't remember anything. Haven't we evolved? Wow, look at where we're at today. You think back about Adam and Eve. And those were two of the most incredible people because they were created in the image of God. And what happened? How did we get to caveman? Caveman didn't come before Adam and Eve. Caveman came after Adam and Eve. And it all had to do with that one word, that three-letter word, S-I-N, sin. Sin destroyed all of that. We go back and we see Adam and Eve, the, the most intelligent, sharpest people, and they were deceived. And they, something swelled up within them. Now, they were tempted. They were tempted by Satan, the one who had been the leader of all the choirs of heaven, and he was so gorgeous and beautiful and incredible that he decided he wanted to become God. And he was cast out of there to this earth. So what did he come to Adam and Eve with? The same thing that he wanted, he wanted them to want. And he said, hey, if you just eat this fruit here, you will become like God. You will become God's. And they disobeyed. And any of you that think, well, if I had been Adam, I wouldn't have done that. If I had been Eve, I wouldn't have done that. Forget it. <laughs> we weren't here. We were already down here. They disobeyed. They decided, I want my way. I'm not going to obey what God wants. I want my own. Our own stubborn desire to have our own way and do it my way. And I don't care what happens and all the rest of it. Sin came. And when sin came, all kinds of things happened. First of all, they realized that they were naked. They hadn't even, they hadn't even realized that. All of a sudden, oh man, we've got to cover up. So they started sewing leaves together. And when God came in the evening to walk with them and talk with them, they were hidden and they were all in, back in the trees with these leaves covering them up. And God asked them, what happened? Did you eat of the fruit? And of course, the man stood up and gave a real true picture. The woman you gave me. 
she. And of course, the woman, she said, well, the serpent, he, he deceived me. And of course, the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. Nah. But you know what? Sin. Sin came in and destroyed all of that wonderfulness. They were kicked out of the garden. They had to work, sweat, toil, all of that came into it. But there's something in here. Don't miss this part of the picture. It says that after God encountered them there with their leaves on, he went and he covered them with skins. Where do you get skins from? Dead animals. The first sacrifices, the sacrifices that covered their sin had to do with the death of innocent animals. Innocent blood had to be shed. Now I know. I've had a cow, cow step on my feet. I've had horses buck me off. I've had dogs bite me. And you say, I don't think animals are so innocent. But the difference is animals don't have a soul. Man was created in the image of God with a soul. And those animals that were formed did have life. And they did have blood. And for some reason, that blood, that life that was given, was a life that covered over the sin. And we just follow the picture. All through the Old Testament, blood, blood, blood. Right from Adam and Eve's own children. What happened? That rage raised up within Cain, this, their son, because he had brought the fruit of his hands, all of these vegetables and things to offer as a sacrifice. And the only sacrifice that was accepted was blood of a living animal, which Abel presented. And Cain got so angry, he killed his brother. And where did that lead to it just led to continuing sin and death and sin and death and death of people and they had to continually offer sacrifices to cover over their sin so that they wouldn't be destroyed as Chris mentioned last week God found grace uh, pardon me Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and Noah built the ark that God told him. And he took animals into it, two by two, right? When we think of, of Noah and his ark, we see all these animals coming, lining up, and going two by two and two by two. But you know what? He didn't just take animals two by two. God told him, take six pairs of every clean animal. And so there were more than just two, two of every animal. The clean animals the sheep and the goats and the cattle, those, there were seven pairs of each of them. Why? Because as soon as the ark landed and things dried up and Adam opened the doors and out they came. Adam, pardon me, Noah, I've got to keep, move on to this generation. Noah offered 
sacrifices of those clean animals. He needed those clean animals. He, if he'd only had two and he sacrificed the one, that would have been the end of that uh, line. But he, he sacrificed right away. He offered a sacrifice. And animals were killed. We come down to Abraham. And Abraham, a guy living out amongst all the pagans, he had an encounter with God and he also offered sacrifices. Sacrifices, animals, animals. You know what? If you read through the Old Testament, you'll find out it was a bloody awful mess. There was blood all over the place. Day after day after day, under Moses, when the, the, the tabernacle was set up in the wilderness, every day there were animals killed, animals, more animals, and blood was shed, blood was shed, blood was shed. But it just covered their sins for a season. It, if you sinned, you had to take an animal or a dove, depending on what you had. You had to take it and you had to offer it and it had to be killed and it had to be burned and the blood had to be poured out and all different things had to happen to cover up the sins, to cover up the sin, these animals dying, dying. When Solomon dedicated the brand new temple that he built. It says there were so many sacrifices offered that day that they couldn't even count them. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of animals being killed. (coughs) Excuse me. It was a very bloody time. The problem was there was no sacrifice of a human that had a soul because from Adam and Eve in their DNA coming all the way down to you and I was sin. There was no sinless human being. Every human being that was born had inherited the sin of their parents the same way that you inherited the color of your skin or the color of your hair or your eyes and all the rest of it from your parents. You inherited that sin. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there was no innocent human being who could be sacrificed so that those sins would be wiped away. So it was covering them up, covering it up, covering it up. And then it just kept boiling out. And then they had to offer more sacrifices. And then, as Cam read, but when the right time came, you ever think of God's time? God's time is exact. The right time. As Chris mentioned last week, the world was in a, perfect state for the gospel and the news of Christ to go all over because the right time, the Roman Empire had built roads and had all kinds of that. The world was united at that. The known world was then united in that. The right time in Galatians 4, 4 it says, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman Oh, here we think. Here's Mary, this young lady. 
And all of a sudden, an angel shows up and tells her she's going to have a baby. And she's going, how is that possible? I don't know a man. I'm, uh, th that's impossible. And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit's going to come and put God's seed in you. Don't get sidetracked. I've worked with people who, who put Mary up there as if she was a holy, sinless one. It doesn't say that. She was just a vessel. God came and used her womb so that a sinless one could be born. And there we have the birth of God's Son in the most humble situation in a barn with animals around him. And these humble shepherds coming in and worshiping him. And here was the sinless one born. Now, he grew up and he was tempted to sin. But my scripture tells me in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. He made Christ a sinless one. He was born. He was raised. I started thinking the other day, you know what? If you and I could all of a sudden go back 2,000 years, you know what we'd find? We'd find a young man in his 20s working in a carpenter shop 2,000 years back. 2,000 years back. And there he was. I think he was just as normal as can be. I know there are myths that tell, oh, when he was little, he picked up a bird and healed its wing, and he, he did this and he did that, and he did all these miracles. No, I think he just grew up. But the incredible thing in Jesus was he didn't sin. Look at what it says in Hebrews. Well, first of all, yeah, let's look at this one. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In other words, if you say, oh, I don't know, I've been so depressed. He went through depression. I'm so lonely. He went through loneliness. I'm so angry. He went through anger, a sinful anger. He didn't sin, though. There's an anger that, is, that, that he showed when he cleansed the temple, but that wasn't a sinful anger. That was a God-given anger. He didn't sin. He, he lived this life, and he can relate to what you feel, but he did not sin. That was the difference. And he walked in it. And then when he began his ministry, all the miracles and things began to happen. But he walked so close. In 1 Peter 2.22, it says, He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. In other words, he never lied. He never sinned. He was the sinless one. He 
he was born without sin. Bethlehem was the beginning of a human being that had no sin. The Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. And he went through all of that. And it came to offering that sacrifice and he went to the cross. He shed his blood, the blood of a sinless man which can wash away our sins, remove our sins completely. Incredible, awesome. Oh, doesn't it cause you to just get thrilled? Thank you. God needed Christmas to show us his love. Look what it says in Romans, Romans 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to get good enough. We couldn't. We'd inherited sin. We're born in sin and shapen in iniquity, the Bible says. In other words, we had bad in us right from the beginning. And while we were yet sinners, God showed his great love to us by sending Christ to die for us. And since we have been right, made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. His friendship with God. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about Adam and Eve walking in that garden in the evening and, and just talking with God and being in his presence and, 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 and not afraid of anything and not fearful and just in that wonderful presence and then boom, sin. Separation. Out of the garden. Not walking with God. Walking in their own stuff. Working and slaving and sweating and Killing and all the rest of it. That's where the caveman came from. Men fleeing from natural disaster and fleeing from uh, killings and wars, hid in caves and lost everything they had. But now, but now, our friendship with God has been restored by the death of his son. And while we're still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. He rose from the dead. His blood was shed and his, he rose from the dead. He came alive. And you can be washed in his blood. Have you been washed in his blood? And your sins been removed? That's what he did for us. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. We can move back into that relationship. You can have that relationship that Adam and Eve had before they fell and you can talk to him and he can fill you with his presence and with his spirit and you can walk and be filled. Oh, that's fantastic. We have all of this. That's why God needed Christmas. To show us his incredible, credible love. It's awesome. 
I just want to ask you, if you're here this morning or you're listening to me online, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you had your sins washed? Well, you don't have to work for it. It's because he paid the price. If you never have, now is the time to set aside your rebellion and your, uh, your anger and all the rest of it and say, Oh, Lord, I need, I need to be washed in your blood. I need to be washed in your blood. Or maybe you're listening to me and, yes, you've been washed in the blood, but you got your feet awful dirty running through this, walking through this world, and you've got angry, and you've got led off into sinful things that have been destroying your life. And it's time to stop and come back to him, come running back to him and say, Oh, Lord, I need you. Cleanse me, wash me. And maybe you're here this morning this morning or listen to me online and yes you know you've been washed in the blood and and you're so thankful then you need to worship him you need to worship him and say oh lord oh lord i worship you i love you i want to be back in that friendship and talk to you and daily and i want to spend time with you i want to just be in your presence i want you to fill me with your spirit i want to have a fantastic relationship with you because that's all that really matters that's all that really matters maybe if you in in revelation it talks about those who are washed in the blood if 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 you've never come and received that washing, maybe you would like to pray. You could pray like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for dying for my sin. Please wash my sins away. I want to walk in a friendship with you. Please forgive me. Or maybe you need to pray, Lord, I've been so busy doing my things. I want to worship you because of all you have done for me. Because you've washed me and cleansed me. And you've set me free. I want you to be my closest, closest friend. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. This year, our fellowship of churches, our denomination of churches, the Apostolic Church of Pentecost celebrating a hundred years and I was studying into the our history and the hundred years and I came across something quite interesting a um, hundred years ago in 1921 when our charter was taken out one of the men who signed our charter was a fellow by the name of he was a he was a minister by the name of William Booth Cliburn. I met William Booth Cliburn when I was a teenager. But he was the grandson of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And back in 1921, when our churches started, he was an evangelist and he was part of our group and he, he signed there. And um, something else happened in 1921. And the story goes like this. He wrote a hymn. The story goes like this. It, he, uh, he came in one day, and uh, he, was, he was singing 
uh, this uh, the Italian song O Solo Mio. I don't know if you know O Solo Mio. It's actually an Italian song about the sunshine and all the rest of it. Uh, but he was he was singing to that tune. He was singing. Uh, he went in singing to his wife. Oh, how I love you! How I adore you! <laughs> And she was very busy and she said, get out of here. <laughs> Go sing that to the Lord. <laughs> so he went in the other room and he wrote a hymn called Down from His Glory. And this hymn, I love this hymn because it tells the story that I just told you about how God became a man. And he came here to this earth. He was born in a manger. He lived his life without sinning. He went to Calvary and shed his blood for our sins. Incredible. The song goes down from his glory, ever living story. My God and Savior came and Jesus was his name. The course is, oh, how I love him. How I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior and all of God's fullness dwelleth in him. I sometimes sing this. No one, anybody's around because I can't sing, but I sometimes sing that chorus. Oh, how I love you. How I adore you. You're my breath, my sunshine. You're my all in all. And I worship him. I've asked our technicians to show uh, just a video of this song. And the words are going to be up there. I would like you to stand. And just really focus in on the words. Focus in on the words as you listen to this rendition of Down From His Glory. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name, born in a
flesh and blood with substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden man. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great Join us in singing. Hear the angels sing, there's hope for everyone to announce our King. There's hope for everyone. What good hope for everyone angels sing there's hope for everyone they came from afar there's hope for everyone wise men saw the star there's hope for everyone shepherds heard the choir there's hope for everyone the darkness bending low to be a mother 